This is Dream Chasers with Adam Coswell. Dream Chasers, what's going on? I want to share this clip with you from the Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast. You may or may not be familiar with, I'm sure actually if you're, if you're a familiar listener here on the show, definitely familiar with who Hunter Thompson is. And no, I'm not talking fear and loathing in Las Vegas, although that dude is pretty epic. I'm talking about Hunter L. Thompson, the host of the Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast, author of Raising Capital for Real Estate, Amazon bestseller, and has raised more than $75 million as of this moment from hundreds of accredited investors all over the US and around the world. Happy to say my business partner as well in Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. Hunter shared this clip on his podcast recently. And it's a piece of his story that I was familiar with, but I didn't know the specific details the way that he lined it up in this episode. So get your popcorn ready. And more importantly, get your notepad ready. I know everybody always says that in the world of podcasting, get your notepad ready because there's going to be some some great takeaways here. But in all seriousness, I, I really mean that. Whatever it takes for you to just pause, maybe pull up your notepad on your phone, on your computer, Maybe you have a pen and pencil or paper in front of you, whatever it may be. There's a lot of information and and lessons to be learned here. What I would say really about the preservation of the family in this half billion dollar mistake that Hunter talks about. So again, if you're looking to create and preserve wealth for you and your family, there's a lot of different angles shared here. Don't let the dollar signs fool you because really the essence of what Hunter is sharing here is letting his past be known, letting us know where he's come from. And letting everybody else in the circle know, you know, the, the history that's connected here. It's pretty powerful. And I would want, you know, all of everyone in my circle, my friends, and my family to listen to this message because it does show how do you really create a future, not only for you, but for all those that you care about, all those around you and set your family up for success in a successful way, right? In the right way. So Hunter's the man, call him the goat all the time. If you don't know what goat means, look it up, G-O-A-T. And here we go. Let's go ahead and play the episode. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the show. We're bringing you another Monday Minutes. Usually in Monday Minutes, I focus on capital raising strategies, which I certainly want to get to today. But I also want to talk about uh, kind of a nuance here, which is a lesson learned from an incredible flame out in business. And this is a story that most of you haven't heard. I've talked about this behind closed doors with Capital Collective members and with Raise Masters coaching clients but I haven't yet shared this story publicly yet, and I'm excited to do so. It's something I've thought about for a long time, and there's a lot of tie-ins with why I do what I do professionally. So like I said, I haven't really talked about this publicly before. Very, very few people know this story, and even less actually understand this story because it's um, it's a very, you kind of have to be in the industry to understand what took place, industry of investing and private equity, but I think it's a cool it's a cool moment in my career to be able to share the story. So I'm excited to, to talk about it, even though it is very difficult to get into. So my grandfather's a very successful business person in the 70s and the 80s. And I learned a lot from him. He was very much a cotton magnet <laughs> in the industry and grew a business to more than $100 million of revenue in the 80s. So one of the largest cotton companies in the world at the time, one of the largest international companies in the world at the time, one of the largest privately held companies in the world at the time, top 100 largest privately held companies in the world. And the world of cotton, just like any other industry, has its industry titans. And 
at the time, my grandfather was definitely an industry titan in the world of cotton. So a lot of you are familiar with private equity and venture capital, and you know names like Carl Icahn, for example. It seems silly to say, but my grandfather was you know, kind of like a Carl Icahn of cotton, especially in the 80s. And what happened was that in the late 80s, he identified a shortage in the cotton business. And he anticipated that shortage of cotton, which was a result of a drought, would result in a significant price increase. And he basically wanted to capitalize on this moment and leveraged up significantly to invest in futures in the cotton industry. Leveraged about 10 to 1, you know, leveraged to the moon, especially in a volatile asset class like a commodity like cotton, 10 to 1 is a lot. And basically unlimited debt just because of the size of his organization had about half a billion dollars of debt at one time. And the shortage happened like he predicted because of the drought. And for some reason, the price increase didn't take place, just didn't happen. And for months, that debt burden was extremely burdensome. And the lender, which was just one lender, by the way, who was also trying to cowboy their bank balance sheet, started to get concerned, as any lender would, with about a half a billion dollars of debt. Now, there were many lenders, but one in particular that was you know, the main driving lender. And so what ended up happening is eventually when the drought took place and the shortage took place and the massive increase in price that he anticipated was going to happen didn't happen, the lender eventually got skittish, called the loan due. And because of the nature of the bets, the size of the loans, the personal guarantees, my grandfather went from one of the wealthiest people in the world to personal bankruptcy business bankruptcy, obviously, and also personal bankruptcy. And this is not the kind of bankruptcy that you kind of see in the media sometimes where, oh yeah, it's wink, wink, nod, nod bankruptcy. I'm talking about legitimately, you know, a negative net worth of more than a hundred million dollars, like total destruction of your entire life's work. And that is a crazy, crazy tale. Now, to add insult to injury, while these personal bankruptcies were taking place, the surge in cotton prices that he anticipated took place. And because he was an industry leader in the world of cotton, as he's going through a total destruction of personal net worth, he's receiving correspondences from people that look to him as a market maker, thanking him for the call, thanking him for the millions of dollars that he made them and the, the success that he brought to their family because these other people took, made a similar move, maybe less leveraged, less pronounced, less money on the table. And so there was no calling of the loan due for them. They just needed a couple extra months and they were able to succeed on the trade that he made. Now, what's crazy about this is that he was in a position, obviously he was one of the wealthiest people in the world at the time, but why was he doing that? What was it? Why was he leveraging to the moon, trying to swing for the fences? You know, the only reason was, you know, trying to cowboy the cotton industry, try to corner the cotton business, tried to be the next Rockefeller, basically. And in exchange for that, risked everything. Everything. If anyone that you know, which I'm sure people listening to this do know, stories of incredible financial collapse, it is not just the money that goes down 
when these things happen. The implosion of a very large business, of course, it means jobs, but for the people involved, the level of stress and anxiety on a family is totally crippling. You know, lawsuits, inter-family lawsuits, divorces, a total catastrophic nightmare. And I saw, though I was very young, I lived through some of this and saw what this does to from a balance sheet perspective, but also from kind of a family perspective. And I learned a ton of lessons from this, even though I was very young when this took place and when these proceedings were taking place. This is what motivated me to start ASIM Capital. This is why I'm so passionate about the nature of the business that we are in, because I wanted to create an investment opportunity for people to avoid dealing with the kind of suffering that my grandfather endured, that my family endured. And I want to help you, listeners of the show, build a portfolio, build a lifestyle in an appropriate way where you can still create incredible outcomes for you and your family without feeling like you have to risk it all on one incredible deal. Now, of course, whenever something like this happens and you go through an incredible misfortune like this, there's always lessons to learn. And I'd say that the lessons that were learned through this is really the foundational lens through which I view our investment opportunities at ASIM. You know, of course, number one being diversification is key. Regardless of the advantage you have over the market, diversification is key. Taking aggressive moves with one industry, one moment, one three-month period is a recipe for disaster, even if you are literally an industry leader such as my grandfather, such as Ike Batista, who, by the way, was an industry leader in the world of oil. Ike Batista went through something where he leveraged to the moon, had a huge market advantage in the world of oil and gas in Brazil, had a $30 billion net worth at one point. When things turned around in oil and gas, those loans were called due. Ike Batista went from having a $30 billion net worth 18 months later to having a negative multi-hundred million dollar or billion dollar net worth. Everyone listening to this right now had a higher net worth than someone who was previously, I think, the seventh richest person in the world. So when you combine lack of diversification with extremely aggressive leverage, particularly in a volatile asset class, you're always going to result in loss of principle. It's always going to happen if you give it enough time. If you continue to play your balance sheet like it is a poker tournament where every 15 minutes the stakes go up, but people keep losing, you're eventually going to be bounced out over an infinite time horizon. Now, another lesson though that I want to talk about, and this is foundational to why we started ASIM Capital, why I started ASIM Capital and why we've grown it to this day, is that compounding interest is a miracle if you give it time. Think about the amount of wealth that was created in the 80s by this company. If you just take a fraction of a percentage of that and then invest it in the S&P 500, for example, and it has opportunity to double and double and double and double over 40 years or 30 years, we're talking about conservatively creating multi-generational wealth just by starting with a fraction of a percent of what was on the table at the time. 
But unfortunately, that's not what happened. Unfortunately, that was all wiped out. So just think about that. Think about taking a more conservative approach to business, taking an approach where the predictability of wealth creation is the foremost thought on your mind as opposed to swinging for the fences. Now, I know that this is kind of preaching to the choir. Many of the people listening to this right now are implementing very prudent investment strategies. Most real estate investment strategies just are head and shoulders above other strategies that are out there. But keep it in mind, you know, as you talk to your friends and family about their investment strategies, as you talk to your investors about their holistic view of the world of finance, just encourage people to think about this. Even if you are industry leader, which very few people you're talking to are, even those people get wiped out if they combine lack of diversification with a massive amount of leverage and, by the way, in this case, a lack of diversification of the lender, meaning that that's when people get really, really scared. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. If I'm talking about, hey, think about what he could have done if he just invested a couple million here and a couple million there, like I'd have private jet. That's not really my message because that would sound like I'm complaining. I'm not complaining at all. What I really want to communicate is that's the last thing I want to do. I gained so much from what he went through that it actually inspired me to go into this business and help other families avoid what my family had to go through. I gained incredible insights from hearing this story, and I'm hoping that you will as well. Insights worth more than any money could be provided to me. Because what is the difference between you know, being wealthy and ultra wealthy and 1 million, 5 million, 50 million, 100 million, it's all useless when compared to the insights one can gain from the battles that were fought and won in pursuit of wealth. So that's what this is all about. Most importantly, the people listening to this can learn from this story. You don't have to go through this same challenge to learn the lessons that he learned. So I know this is kind of an interesting Monday Minutes. It's a cautionary tale, but slow and steady wins. Diversification wins. Focusing on leverage wins. And if you're willing to give up some of the upside in exchange for predictability of outcome of wealth, you, my friends, will have success in this business, assuming you don't quit. That's actually the X factor. You don't need to swing for the fences. You don't need to try to spike it rich one time. All you need to do is work hard, get appropriate leverage, focus on diversification, and and you will succeed. The predictability of outcome if you don't quit in this industry is 100% because you have what it takes. So keep it up. Thanks a lot. Dream chasers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share this bad boy on social media, drop a five-star review, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, we really appreciate it. It brings better visibility, better SEO to the show. So just can't thank you enough for that. And also, as you notice, we don't have any ads here on Dream Chasers. So I just want to remind you to head over to Carswell. Io to get all updates, especially because I am currently writing a book. The book is on the topic of, insert suspenseful topic here, 
Multiplication. Yes, I'm writing a book on multiplication. I know that may sound silly, but that's what it is. So I'm really excited about this. I have also learned it takes a lot more time to write a book than I originally expected. So it's coming soon. And just want to remind you, if you want to get updates on my first ever book, you can go to carswell.io, drop your email address there, and you'll get all the updates you could possibly need or imagine on the release. So thank you again for your listenership. And remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level.